Hi and welcome. I'm your host Martin Kessler. It's time for another episode of Why I Built This, a mini theme on the 20 Minute Fitness Podcast. On every episode, I bring to you an exciting entrepreneur that is working on a new and potentially disruptive product or service in the space of health and fitness. Today, I've got Jen Pate on the show. Jen is actually a founder right at the heart of San Francisco. She's been deeply involved in group fitness for the past 10 years after leaving a pretty successful career in design at IDEO and Apple behind. Since then, she's moved to the forefront of really changing the conventional approach to fitness. The result is a YC-backed startup company that has come up with a new kind of gym that is completely outdoors. But before we move on, I would like to thank our sponsor, ShapeScale. ShapeScale is a 3D body scanner, scale, and fitness tracker. You simply step on it, and it digitizes your body composition in photorealistic 3D. Now available on pre-order on shapescale.com. All right, um, we are here in our studio in San Francisco, and today we have a very interesting guest, uh, local guest actually, from San Francisco, working on public recreation. Jen, why don't you introduce yourself a little? So I'm Jennifer Patti, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Public Recreation. And we're a new type of gym. We're all outdoors, and we offer unlimited classes like strength training, boxing, and yoga for $60 a month. And how did you get into that? I grew up outdoors. I was born in San Francisco, grew up on the peninsula, but I grew up running around outdoors and playing outside as a kid, and that kind of continued all the way through college, went to UC Santa Cruz. But being active and being outdoors was just part of my daily existence. It was the most natural thing. And after I graduated from college and I started my career, I found it very hard to stay fit and have that outdoor and incredibly healthy life that I had growing up. So I was very career focused and my career, my first career was in politics and my second career was in design. Huh. How did that happen? Well, you know, I've always been interested in massive systemic social positive change. And what does that even mean? So creating positive change in the world. And so politics seemed like a really good way to learn about systemic change and people's ability to influence that. But it turned out I was just way too impatient for a career in politics. <laughs> and so then I was curious how brands work. Companies seem to be able to use these brands to change, influence people's hearts and minds. And I wanted to understand how that works. So I went back to school to study design, ended up um, working as a graphic designer in different product design companies. My first job was at IDEO. And then I went on to work at Apple. And along the way, I just ended up spending so much time sitting and in my car and commuting. Mm -hmm. And I had so little time to exercise and eat all of the exercise options available to me were just weird and shitty. Like to well, me, like, like fine, weird and shitty. It was all indoors. And it just, I wasn't used to exercising indoors. So it was boring and I, in front of a mirror. And mm -hmm. then it was like step aerobics and weird jazzercise, which is great if that's your deal. But it wasn't my deal. I wasn't coordinated in that way. It was more of like an athlete. I like to be outside. And so none of the options worked for me. And meanwhile, I just kept on stacking on the pounds. So I put on about 30 pounds. And I was also just like mentally, emotionally, very unhealthy, stressed, anxious. Mm. And so my my search for a basically losing weight was I wanted to fit into my skinny jeans. And I, just, <laughs> and I just wanted to feel better. Eventually, I found a trainer at the YMCA here in San Francisco who taught me how to use a gym. And it took about a year and a half. But I followed his program. Um, I ate what he told me to eat. And I you know, went to the gym about three or four days a week to lift weights. But, but wait a minute. That, that's all indoor. Like, yeah. Well, because like, well, yeah. I mean, and that's how we ended up outdoors is like when I finally reached my goal, I was like, uh -huh. it looks like all we're doing here is pushing or pulling heavy things. 
thing. Like, <laughs> right. can I do that outdoors? Because I knew I had to keep uh-huh. working out, but I just never wanted to go back to that gym again. And he was like, yeah, that's outdoors. That's where real athletes train. And so I felt like I'd just been released into the wild. So I went out and I found uh, former athletes. So coaches who were training people outdoors like, was retired professional athletes, boxing coaches, former military. It turns out there's a lot of guys and women who train people outdoors. And what, why is that? Is it like a style kind of thing like that they also don't like to be indoors so it's like a different benefit that we might yeah. not immediately well, see actually you know it's like a retired pro athletes uh-huh. which are a lot and they're pretty young former military you know it's free to train people outdoors so they don't have to deal with working at a gym and there's just like a certain type of person real athletes prefer to be outdoors yeah and you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna end up with a certain type of client you know so my experience training outdoors is not only was i in the best shape of my life i was also developing a mindset for how to to deal with chaotic and uncertain environments, right? Because you never know what the outdoors is going to throw at you or what the weather's going to be like. So you're one of those that doesn't mind if it's raining or anything? No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're in San Francisco, but your body warms up pretty quickly. Right. And it's actually like, remember when you were a little kid and it was raining outside, you were so psyched to go and jump in puddles and play. Like rain was something that you played in. Right. What changed? What changed, <laughs> right? And so that was the experience that I started having. And also you come out of an outdoor workout and it's raining at 6 a.m. Uh-huh. and you watch the sunrise and you're doing hill repeats or you're running on the beach. At the end of that workout, you feel amazing and you feel like nothing can touch you. And it is a wonderful way to go into your work day or go into your life with that kind of confidence. No, I can totally see where you're coming from. Like, I mean, I, I spent a number of my years in Hong Kong and it was hot and humid, right? So, I mean, you were working out every now and then for going for a run, but it was really difficult to get a really good workout in there. And also, you know, you have pollution and so forth. And when I moved over here to the Bay Area, it's just a different feeling, right? Like you go yeah. outside, you breathe in the fresh air and it's like mother nature is right there, right? It, you feel connected. It's a different feeling than what you get in the gym. Totally. Yeah. I felt more connected to my city and to nature. I felt more connected to my body. And after I started my first company, you know, we were doing classes outdoors. And so I felt more connected to the other people. You feel more connected to the people you're working out with. So it was like these multi layers of connection. And it was a profound experience for me because before that, I felt very disconnected and right. alienated. And I think that's a feeling that a lot of mm. people in cities, especially cities, can relate to is this disconnection. All right, hang on. I'm going to stop you right there. You were saying you were working for Apple as a designer, and then you suddenly mentioned that you started a company. Yeah, well, so then I, I started training outdoors and I noticed that there was a void in the marketplace for this type of outdoor training. There, Which wasn't just, you know, running, right? You wanted to have strength, resistance yeah. training, what you have in the gym and take that outdoors. Yeah, and and actually I'd come full circle because I grew up playing soccer and I played soccer at UC Santa Cruz. And this is how soccer players train. Uh, most Many collegiate athletes, strength coaches will train their athletes this way. And there was nothing like that kind of strength and conditioning. Okay, can you, can you describe how like a resistance workout outdoor looks like yeah so a typical you know the the program that i developed from my last company you would work out you would do strength training and cardio in every workout it was actually also following a typical bodybuilder approach it was exactly what i was doing in the gym with my trainers just doing it outdoors so monday would be the strength training would be back biceps and triceps so pulling motions right because what would you use like to get that resistance like would you use like trx or would you bring in like some medicine balls or like how would you make up for like not having or would you take out dumbbells? 
I, I didn't take out dumbbells. That's something we do now. But at that point, I would use resistance bands, mm-hmm. sometimes TRX. I love TRX and sometimes medicine balls. And then sometimes we're just using what we find in nature, <laughs> sometimes trees, poles, you know, and that led to another epiphany is as we were trying to use the city to exercise on or with, it was very hard. Actually, one of my favorite things to work out on was a Muni bus shelter. That no was, <laughs> yeah, it was on Lion Street because when I started my company, it was in the marina. And there's tons of things you can push on, right? So Mondays, was pulling Tuesdays were pushing Thursdays pulling Friday pushing and uh, there's tons of things you can do push-ups yeah, because a lot on. of people don't realize we already have a lot of resistance by just using our weight right totally. our body weight yeah. right I mean that's a lot of weight when you compare that you probably weigh like at least 140 150 pounds often like most of us that's a lot of weight to carry and right now we're only using our legs for the most part but what happens when you use like a bar for instance like you pull yourself up you have to suddenly move all we that are weight, we right? are we are better than a kettlebell yeah <laughs> Way better. Yeah. yeah. And so, but finding things to pull up on is actually really hard in our cities and even in the natural environment. And so there was a bus shelter. We would meet at the Palace of Fine Arts and run often up to up Line Street to the Line Street Stairs, another great piece of workout equipment. And we would stop along the way at this bus shelter that was on a hill because at that time, the Muni bus shelters are different now, but they had this gutter on top that was perfect to put your hands on. And depending on whether you were tall or short, since it was on a hill, you could find a sweet spot. And then your partner would spot you in class. And so you would, we would just crank out pull-ups on the bus shelter and do a few rounds. And then that was a great back workout. Very so you effective. turned those workouts into a business? How did you do that? I mean, it's very, it's, it's simple um, now because you see a lot more boot camps and, and stuff like that. But at the time, there, there weren't that many outdoor training programs. And most of them were run actually by those like very militaristic trainers that mm-hmm. would like bark at you and really, you know, try to create this military experience. But that wasn't what I was after or what my trainers were after. We were more about like, yeah, we're going to help you be in the best shape of your life in terms of your fitness. But we're also going to show you how physical activity can be a vehicle for so much more. So we're yeah. going to help you discover that you're capable of more than you think you are. And we're going to design workouts that surprise where you surprise yourself. It's, by it's what kind, you of, it's kind of different when you think about it, right? I mean, you go to a gym and you stem all this weight and, you know, it's like it's kind of like wasted energy almost, right? Because it's like those man-made fixtures that we use, right? Whereas like out there, you could actually start using your strengths for, I would call it functional strengths, right? Sure. To do certain motions and actions that maybe you never thought you were capable of, right? Yeah. And I think gyms are great for doing certain things. and if Like what? They're great for shaping your body in a specific way. Like I wanted my back to look a specific way when I was at that point in my fitness journey. I wanted Mm. um, very specific, a look that I was going after. So I could target very specific muscles on a very specific machine in a very efficient way for that aesthetic goal. But yeah, for me at that time, training outdoors just allowed me to do so much more with much less, right? So I could train an entire, a person's entire body, give them a full workout using a piece of rubber tubing that cost $2. And so as a business, it was an amazing opportunity for me because I wasn't paying any rent. I could Mm. launch the business with a $500 investment out of the trunk of my car. I didn't have to ask anybody for permission to do anything. I could throw up a website for next to nothing. When was that actually? That was in 2008. Quite a while ago then, huh? Yeah. Okay, so you were doing classes and you did that for how long? About 10 years. So what changed? I mean, what brought you to public recreation and how is it really different from what you did then? So what brought me to public recreation is I had this moment halfway through the business, the clients, the consumer clients who I were training, who I was training in the marina, a fair amount of them went on to start companies. Or they had a leadership position at a company and they had such a good experience working out with Hmm. me on their own that they wanted to bring me to their company to share (laughs) that experience with their employees. And so it's like, hey, will you come and train 20, 50, 100 of my employees? And I was like, yeah, why not? That sounds great. I'd never imagined that as a 
something I was going to pursue, but I love the idea. And so I started meeting people in the financial district at the front door of their company and scooping up these employees and taking them to do the workouts I was doing out in the marina district, but trying to do them downtown. And there was a lot of space there, but it was being used for other things. It was actually kind of hard to find public spaces to do these workouts. And on average, the classes were about 10 mm. people. What sort of spaces were you typically looking for? Like a park or yeah, like, a playground? Like or? A, yeah, like a park. I don't I don't need a lot, but I, you kind of need some benches. You kind of need, mm. you want to be out of people's way. You don't want to be on a sidewalk where somebody can't walk right, to right, lunch right. or walk to catch the bus. And so I found a few spots, but I kept getting kicked off of them by security guards. And mm. I just got used to it. You know, like, oh, here's the security guard at that location who's going to chase after me and say, I can't do that here, even though this is a public space. It's not private. And also, like, what we're doing is non-obtrusive. It's, we're not in anybody's way. But finally, I was on Levi's Plaza, which is a public space. And a security guard came after me. And it, I was with five guy, all guys. And we were doing, like, push-ups and yoga, like, behind a bush, too, because I was, like, I don't know, when you say came after me, uh, yeah. I'm like imagining him like chasing you around. Yeah, he was chasing me. He was in like a little golf car. And um, we no were way. we were literally behind a bush next to a next to a bench. And so he comes after me and he's like, you can't do this here. You have to go. And I was like, okay, I was used to it. But then I looked over and there was a guy on the bench and he's like drinking a beer and smoking a cigar. And I was yeah, like, how's that okay? This is crazy. You know, why is it okay for him to be drinking and smoking? But it's not okay for us to be doing push-ups. And it just really bothered me because the more that I started thinking about it, it's like if you look at the health of our country, something like 75% of us are more likely, most likely to lead a shorter life of about five years because of some disease that is related to our lifestyle because we're not doing yoga and push-ups. Yeah, because we're all sitting in our office for yeah. like eight, 10 hours a day. And then after that, we jump right back into our car where we yeah. then drive home, where we then just, you know, lie back on our couch again, right? Yeah. And so I was it's like, crazy. you know, if you look at it that way, then trainers like me, and there's a ton ton of trainers like me out there trying to do this stuff, help people in this way. Like we are as important and significant and effective as doctors and surgeons are because we're preventing the diseases that cause people to be sick right, and, right, and right. need need to do that. And so we should be, I think we should be subsidized personally, <laughs> but we should at the very least, there should be a vehicle for us to be able to work with people in this way. And then I realized whoever could figure out how to partner with the property owners to help them like see this or better yet to make them, mm-hmm. you know, in their interest for these type of activities to happen could not only like take over the world like in terms of tackling a very expensive problem i think the more expensive the problem the more valuable the solution is um but we'd also do a lot of good like we could potentially impact millions of people because we would be able to get them moving more and it doesn't take a lot more movement in terms of introducing physical activity into a person's life to have a tremendous exponential impact on their health especially because america's really not moving yep. enough um and so that's when i started working on the idea and then i brought on my co-founder adam who is just an expert at bringing innovation into public spaces. And then I brought on my third co-founder, Emily, who is an expert at sales and growth. So what changed then? Like you start to involve the property owners? Oh, yeah. So what changed then is that my expertise is not developing innovative business models, um, (laughs) but Adams is. And so originally the company was actually ended up being a a street furniture company. thing we were trying to solve for originally is how do we make our cities healthier? Uh, The city of the future should be designed for health. What would that look like? It would the city of the future would be easier to work out on. Right. And so we had this idea of like active architecture. Like I was hacking the city when I was using that bus stop because I was using the bus stop, the infrastructure in a way it wasn't designed. Yeah, that wasn't meant for workouts, but it could very well be used for workouts, right? Because nobody was using it at the time for 
anything but, right? Yeah. And so if there was a pull-up bar, if our infrastructure was just designed with little nudges and cues that made it easier to work out on, that would be pretty cool. You know what that reminds me of? So my background, obviously, like I've been living in China and Hong Kong for some time. And there they actually start to develop those playgrounds for adults and elderly, actually, that involved a lot of different bars and workout gear to, you know, exercise outdoors. It's super common. Like you would get up at 6 a.m. You would see lots of people there using it. right? Yeah, it's all over the world. And, you know, from where I sit as a designer, I look at that stuff and I'm like, that is hilarious. Like we could vastly improve on that because from a design snob standpoint, it's like look ridiculous sitting on that thing pushing that way or it's there's so many ways you can improve upon that so we decided to go down that rabbit hole of how could we make really cool well-designed stuff that you could put on a sidewalk or assemble in a public plaza that encourage people to work out but is also beautifully designed and encourage people to come together and hang out so we designed this whole line of what we were calling like fitness furniture and that was actually the idea you were trying to sell that to city officials or cities um, enterprise companies google uh-huh. basically anybody that had public space that they were looking to promote health and wellness in that public space. So for example, Google has a lot of public space. They have a lot of employees. Mm-hmm. Like we would have even, you know, if they wanted to buy it to put on their private campus, I'd be fine with us too. So then what happened? So then what happened is ultimately when we were applied to YC the first time, we came to them with that idea and they basically gave us some really good feedback saying the market is not big enough. You're basically going after the outdoor fitness furniture market. It's a very small market. And so so YC gave us some really good advice after we got our interview and got rejected they're like what we what would be interesting to us is if you were to open up a branded outdoor gym with fitness services layered on top of it I was like I think there's something here like this is the answer to the riddle let's go follow this and so then we went back hang on there for a second because like a lot of our audience may not know what YC actually stands for maybe I'm so sorry explain yeah so Y Combinator is a startup accelerator in Silicon Valley it is one of the few options for startup founders to get early stage seed funding and and anybody can apply. So you don't have to pay anything to apply. Applying's free. And they open their application period twice a year. And so we had applied to their winter 2017 originally with this mm-hmm. idea. Just the process of filling out their application online is a wonderful it's, exercise. Guess, it's a bit like a business plan. Huh? It's a bit like a business plan. Yeah. They ask you some really key questions in a very smart order. And you get very clear about what you're doing after filling out and submitting their application. And it's hard to get in. You're lucky if you get an interview. Getting rejected is often the best thing for the company. So you applied and then they turned you down. Yeah. And then they gave us this bit of advice. And so we had a we had a space in Hayes Valley that I had built out with as a prototype for this earlier concept of a city designed for health. So I had mm-hmm. secured this public space, a parking lot in Hayes Valley, and I was running my last company out of it. And I had some kind of like fitness furniture in it that we were working out on, but I didn't have a business plan. And I and I also like I knew that I didn't want to be doing the size of the business I was doing before. I was only interested in doing a business that could scale and become big. Right. You didn't just want to run a lifestyle business. You right. wanted to do something that has a much larger impact than impact. that. Yeah. Because I knew I could impact a lot of people and I knew it wouldn't take much to have a big difference on their health. And also around this time, Trump had been elected president. And one of the first things that he was going after was Obamacare. And that one really got me (laughs) because I'm a health worker, Mm -hmm. essentially. And I was like, oh, my God, we had just gotten to a point in this country (laughs) where we could provide basic health insurance to everybody. You cannot take that away. What are we going to do? What can I do? And I was like, I can't fix health insurance, but I can make it possible that maybe people won't need their health insurance because they're healthy. So how do I do that? And so that's that's what I was going after. And so anyway, so we got this advice from YC of this 
fitness, you know, this platform, this new type of branded outdoor gym with fitness layered on top of it. And so we had this. What, what do you mean by platform? Okay. Yeah. Good question. So basically what we were offering people, we printed out this locker that we had in Hayes Valley as part of this other idea. It was filled with workout equipment, like a TRX, a BOSU ball, kettlebells, right. dumbbells, all the stuff. And you could, if you were a member of public recreation for $30 a month, you would get access to this locker full of equipment. So you wouldn't need all of that stuff in your tiny San Francisco apartment anymore. You could just rent this locker, check out the equipment. You would get 24-7 trainer support. Cool. Yeah, it's so it's like cool. like a... Uh, always on access gym yeah, outdoors. Right. Kind of cool. Yeah. So cool. We thought it was so cool. You get you get digital content. You get a you know a video every week with a workout, and uh, you get classes, and then you would get I don't know maybe one other thing. I don't remember what it was. So it was like five things. By that point, did you have any plan to actually have instructors on site, or was it really just meant to be like a gym that people can use we, whenever they like to? Yeah, we were very fortunate in that we saw somebody, a trainer came, and he was training a client at our site and I liked how he was training her. I, I liked that it was people of color um, mm -hmm. using our site because it was very important to me that we weren't just opening up a service that was just right. for one one per, the 1%. I was doing that in my last business and that was also a big motivator to do something that was made fitness more accessible because it bothered me that I'd figured out a way to help people become really fit. It was effective. We were measuring um, mm -hmm. our results so I, I knew it was working in addition to like the Yelp reviews and all the feedback that I, I got. But you had to be part of the like the 0.001% to benefit from what I was offering you had to live in the marina and you had to be able to afford me and I was relatively expensive right and so whatever solution we came up with it had to work for the masses and it, what we're trying to do is come up with a price point that everyone can afford we're not quite there yet um what's the price point uh 60 a month for unlimited classes and how would you say that compares because like not everyone lives in San Francisco so they might not get you know like what somebody would normally have to pay for like a class in general or any sort. oh right so that's like two classes at Barry's boot camp right and that's uh so about half price of what you would pay for some of those boutique exclusive yeah. Yeah, expensive, I think more I, don't expensive know, I don't know how much class pass is. I think it's in the hundreds, so it's probably half of class pass. And I think Equinox is like 175. Right. Yeah, so it, it is considerably less for unlimited classes, but I'm hoping that we can bring the price down even lower. And that, and that's the plan as we open up, because the plan is to open up a network of gyms in, in cities across America so that you're never more than a 10 minute walk from a public recreation gym or class. All right. I want to take a quick break here to give our kind and awesome producer Lila a chance to share a few words about our sponsor. We all want to do the right thing to keep our bodies healthy in the long run. But even if we try really hard to eat kale salad and drink green smoothies, we are still most likely not getting all the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. And this is where Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women, can help us. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from our diet, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. Two easy-to-take capsules provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health. As easy as it sounds, or no, actually, it's even easier than that. I just started using Ritual Essential for Women a couple of weeks ago, and let me tell you guys, it has changed my life. As most Silicon Valley tech women, I have a very busy schedule too, so finding time to go and buy my vitamins or remembering which capsule to take them was always a pain. But with Ritual's subscription system that you can start by a click of a button and snooze whenever, I get my 30-day vitamin pack delivered to my doorstep every month. It is only two capsules that 
the cost one dollar a day and my body gets all the essential nutrients it needs. All of this with a fresh minty flavor. Better health doesn't happen overnight. Help fill the gap in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com shape to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com shape. And we're back on air. And so, so where, where are you guys at now? I mean, you have three locations, you were saying? Yes. And they're all in San Francisco? Well, we have two locations with a third one coming, and they're all in San Francisco. So what's next for you guys? So what's next is our third site is going to be a big site in the financial district. Assuming that it goes through, it's it's going to be a chance for us to open like a large flagship site. We have about 40,000 people that walk past this oh, site yeah. every day. Um, so we're hoping that it's going to be in a really key location for folks. It's close to where people work. And from there, we will expand to other sites around San Francisco to really button up our operations and our classes. And we're launching a digital platform to make it really easy for people to find and book their classes. And then once we, you know, really validate that we're making something people want, that we have product market fit as our goal for this year, then we go to other cities. And is that how you got into YC in the end? We got into YC in the end because we did what they told us to and we had customers. So we, we had launched. A lot of companies in YC have not yet launched. Mm-hmm. We definitely launched before we were ready, which they like to see. We had customers. We had 25 customers. And and we're very lucky because we they had just opened up a category called brick and mortar 2.0. And we fit squarely into that category. And I think that they were interested in service businesses. You know, the service industry or service vertical has been kind of the last segment that's been kind of disrupted because mm-hmm. <laughs> service services are just, it's hard to scale and do them differently and better than how we do them today. And so we were uh, interesting brick and mortar 2.0 company that had an interesting business model that could scale in the way that technology or SaaS scales. And they really liked that. Right. And did you guys also raise some investment money besides YC? We had three angel investors who invested in us prior to YC. And how did it go like for you guys fundraising? Did you get a lot of pushback? Because like you were saying, it's incredibly hard to Scale Bef- service business before right? or after YC. I guess both. Maybe <laughs> give us a, the story. So before YC fundraising was incredibly difficult because you know I had I'd never fundraised at that level before. I'd never fundraised. I had done an, a successful Indiegogo campaign, and that was it. And um, why, why do you actually needed to fundraise in the first place? Because we had no money. We had to fundraise, and so we asked. You know, we went into not every VC firm, but just every. And what did they say? I mean, we got kicked out and laughed out of we had a whiteboard and I think that there were, you know, 200 names um, of angel investors, VCs and accelerators, every source of capital that we could possibly find. And we got rejected and kicked out and laughed at. Was it because you guys didn't have like that technology component that a lot of the investors here are looking for? Well, some of the reasons that they gave us were valid, like. They're like, talk to us about your unit economics. And we didn't really have well thought out (laughs) unit economics. So that was a really valid question that that person asked. But, you know, I can't. It was such a blur at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, All I heard was the nose. And so we eventually figured out, and YC encourages this, that you go after angel investors. Like, don't even bother with anybody else. And so ultimately, our first investor was my co-founder's best friend's dad. 
who I met while his best friend and I were running a trail race. And he was a developer in Arizona and he was an artist and he was a wacky guy. And he just really liked the idea and he was looking for new ideas to invest in. And he liked me. He liked Adam. And and he was like, I like what you're doing. I like the cause. And, and so he was our first investor. Thank God. And then our second one was a female colleague of mine who, again, she just liked me, liked the idea, was looking for an impact business to invest in. She came along just as we were about to run out of money. And then I think that there was one more. But what was amazing is that we had run almost run out of money so mm-hmm. many times. And we had been on food stamps for about a year before wow. and during YC. And San Francisco has great health insurance, which is fortunate. But we, my co-founder was like, you know, I didn't want to tell you when we only had $200 in the business bank account. I didn't want you yeah. to freak out. How much more pressure do you really need? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that must have really, really been a stressful time for you. It was really stressful, but it was also like we developed some survival skills that we still use today. So like Mm. one of the survival skills we developed was ultimately like you can't personalize it. You have to just like not care. And so this kind of resilience we developed very early on. It was just like we got to a point where we just we were like weeble wobbles. Mm. You know, you could keep trying to put us down, (laughs) but we just kind of kept popping back up and you could put us down and we would pop back up. So that that was definitely a survival skill. And then like we tried to have as much fun with it. It was okay. How fun was that? Adam, 200 bucks in a bank account. Adam started, like, party. Adam started taking these photos that were for our memoirs. And um, part of these photos, inc- we took a photo of me being at Pete's Coffee buying coffee with pennies. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? He was like, no, this is this is good. This is good. But yeah, so we, we ended up having a sense of humor about it. And then we were able to get through all of that and then finally get to the second yeah, YC interview. And then we got in and then everything changed. So you raised some money. Do you think you... You will go back to investors again after that experience? I would love for us to reach profitability before we run out of runway, but that will be very hard. That's our goal. But we will probably have to raise a, you know, a series A after. Right. Well, so how's it looking now? I mean, like you had this vision of making being active more accessible to everyone, right? Especially to those that typically cannot afford it as much as like somebody that is like in the 1% or even 10 or 30%, right? Did that turn out to be the case? We're tracking in that direction, Uh right? So during YC, we were very surprised to learn at the end of the 100 days, right before demo day, that we were one of the fastest growing companies at YC. And part of that, we were fortunate in that we had already launched. A lot of the companies Mm -hmm. hadn't yet launched. They got in with an idea. But we ended up growing 30% week over week while we were at YC. And typically YC encourages you to shoot for 10% week over week. If you're doing 10% week over week growth, you're... And that's revenue or for yeah, signups? For, for us, it was revenue, but it was me- we were measuring how many people were buying memberships, how many people were signing up. And so we were able to go from, you know, like 25 to 450, sign up 450 members in 100 days. Right. And, and I guess given your mission, though, you want to counteract what is the typical gym business of, you know, having people sign up, but then never really show up. Yeah. Like, how do you do that yeah so a couple of ways the first way is since we're outdoors and in public spaces people see people working out Mm -hmm. and so most of our members live in Hayes Valley so they live in the neighborhood so they're walking by and they're seeing other people work out they're seeing their co-members of public recreation working out so it just works on so many levels you're like I should really be in that class it is hard to miss class people who are members but they aren't working out they have to go out (laughs) but they have to go out of their way to hide from us if they're not coming 
homecoming class. It's very inconvenient, right? And then on a rainy day, we take pictures of the people in class. So you see the people That's who awesome. are hardcore, hardcore enough to come to class and you see them smiling and laughing and this a sense of accomplishment. There, Like I was saying before, there's no greater sense of accomplishment than finishing a workout in the morning in the rain. You just feel like such a badass and it's such an amazing way to start your day. And then they hear that and they, from the members who show up and they see that and it just becomes this constant, I think, encouragement and support. Like you can do this. You can do this. It can be fun to right. be mildly uncomfortable. There's benefits. There's dividends that come with that. And then we also, you know, in the course, because the chapter two is after YC, we were the fastest growing company or one of them. I don't know. But then we experienced what they call the post YC slump where we lost a lot of members. And so then we had to learn about retention at, in a whole new way. We had to understand like- How do you end up losing them? Part of it was, I think, the expectations that we set when we signed them up. The weather changed. Um, and But mm-hmm. the biggest thing that we learned is that when we sign people up in that moment, they're so psyched. They're about to start this like new thing and it's going to work for them. Mm-hmm. And then we wouldn't so book, who, book who them. So who are these the- people? Like, are they like your average Joe that is looking to make a change? They want to be more healthy. They set themselves like some goals, be they realistic or unrealistic. And then they show up for your class every day for four weeks and then things get tough and they drop off. Is, is that what it is? Or? One of the things that's twi- tricky for us is we don't really know what our segment is because there's so many different type types of people who are members. It's different ages. It's, it's probably like equally distributed among people who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s. And we do wow. have a fair amount who are in their, their 50s, different income levels, different socioeconomic. We're, we're, we're having a hard time figuring out who our customer is. We have a sense that something that they share is that they're fearless. Why do you need to be fearless to join your classes? Are that tough? They're not, that, <laughs> they're not that tough, but, you know, kind of going to a gym or a boutique studio is is a very controlled environment. It's very straightforward. And our customer is looking for potentially more of an adventure, mm-hmm. something that's new and different. That's not that. And so our like early adopters are people who are like, yes, I've been looking for something like this, something that's outdoors and something where I get to meet the other people in my neighborhood. I just moved here. I want to feel like I'm part of Hayes Valley and not just in a random person in a random city without any sense of connection mm. to my neighborhood. So it's a really easy way to feel like you're connected to this place when the neighbors there and the people there and like our members tell us like now when I walk around, I wave to the security guard at that school and I wave to, you know, the garbage collector because I see them every day because I see them on my way to class and they see me and we're starting to be friends with each other. But our, our members are people who are looking for something that's radically different than what they're going to get at a boutique studio or right. at Equinox. And you think you will always only have that if it's outdoors or do you ever think like maybe starting some some level of indoor indoor location yeah i mean right now we're outdoors because there's more spaces readily available for us we like that we're a commercial you know we think that our marketing like the best marketing that we do is people get to see other people having a good time Mm -hmm. because we don't have any walls so you can see what's going on in class and people are like wow that looks like fun and that's the best marketing right and it's and we don't really have to pay for it it's just happening during our classes and people tell us like i see you like it's it's an easy sell could be very polarizing though like i guess there's also like a certain personality is like i don't want to be seen i don't want to be you know in this this public right yeah so that's called the spotlight effect and it's a legit psychological phenomenon where people think that everybody's looking that mm-hmm. people are looking at them outdoors they're actually not really yeah, looking at you cares, right? um and people <laughs> tell us like some of our members are like yeah i thought that would be a thing but then i started doing class and, and then i felt like i was part of this group and then i didn't really think so much about how people on the outside were perceiving me but for us you know we're just we're outdoors now because because that's those, those are spaces that are have benefits for us as a business, but we don't necessarily plan to stay indoors.
doors. We can go in any underutilized spaces that make sense for us. There's Maybe like some abandoned factory. Sure. I heard, I heard there's a lot of space in Detroit right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we hear about people send us like recommendations all the time now they'll take pictures of you know there's a space in seattle that used to be an aircraft carrier or something where they started doing yoga classes and one of our one of our friends was like you guys should totally turn this into a public recreation gym and you start once you realize i think what yc saw in us was a vision of the future where it's absolutely crazy that what we do today that we get in our car to drive to a mall and we pay a gazillion dollars to work out in a box with people we never meet Mm -hmm. like that's crazy and so what we're what we're suggesting is a vision of the future where you don't do that anymore like you walk to a class that's with your coworkers or neighbors or friends or people in the area where you are you walk there it's a 10 minute walk away or a bike ride and you do not pay a gazillion dollars but you still get you know a workout taught by somebody who's very good at what they're doing and it's fun and they understand how to make it engaging and exciting and something that you look forward to coming back to and effective and how do you think you can make it even more accessible? Is, is it really like a location thing being like close to everyone's neighborhood or is it a money thing or what do you see there as your main challenge? The number one thing people tell us that they love is proximity, mm-hmm. that, that we are close to where they live. The second thing we're testing is, does it make a difference if we're close to where they work? So we're just we're basically letting our users and letting the market like pull right. the product out of us as they when they talk about product market fit, they say, you know, the market will pull it out of you. But you have to listen and you have to ask and you have to talk to your customers. So that's what we're very focused on right now is talking to our customers to understand so that the market can pull out of us like what what the product is what the ultimate service is going to be how it's going to look hmm. and what we're optimizing around according to what are what our users want and speaking of what your users want what have you learned so far about retaining them because initially you had like this drop off coming and being like a challenge to you guys right yeah we know that people really like the sense of community that they feel through our program we're trying to get really concrete information about what does that mean like what exactly what is community how does that yeah how, how do you facilitate our, that yeah how do we facilitate that what feels like community versus Versus something that that did not feel like community. Because like, at, at what point thing. do you see the drop off? Because I can see you know like I don't know. I've been member of the group, you know, my regular group for like several weeks or months even. I know people by name. They hold me accountable, right, for showing mm-hmm. up. But I guess there's also like those people that only show up once and then they never show up again. Yeah. They don't know anyone in the group. Yeah. So we, when we first launched, we didn't really have a way of taking attendance. (laughs) We didn't track people's how many classes they were coming to. I don't even think you could enroll in a class when we launched. We would send out an email. Maybe it was a Google form. I don't know. But it was, it was crazy. (laughs) You didn't really have to, right? (laughs) You were charging one fee for the entire month's unlimited class. And our slogan was just show up, which um, very quickly started driving our member you know, customer service person insane. Like you yeah. cannot do that anymore. They need Did to register. Did you ever have like classes where you had like a hundred people show up or something? Yeah, we had like 30 person classes, mm. but it was more of like our first like community member hire was also very like data focused and really helped us understand uh, how important it is that we get a data scientist on our team so that we better understand people's behaviors. But we didn't, we didn't have that in the beginning. So we're still, so we just in the last few months got to a point where we could see who was coming, what classes were they attending, how often do they come, and what kind of behaviors are, are we seeing, and what's different between the people who are the power users and they stay. Mm. And now we're doing like cohort analysis and we're watching. Well, I, I can see you definitely like utilize a lot of the startup met- methodology, right? Yeah. You're not just your average service business. You're really trying to be sophisticated about your approach of how you can make this work and totally. really bring it to 
everyone. Yeah, totally. And I think that the thing that we're ultimately providing for people is a routine. Yeah, and it needs to be a habit. Yeah. It needs to be really a routine that every day I get up at 6 yeah. a.m., uh, 5 a.m., I guess, and then yeah. show up at 6. Yeah. Most of our classes are at 7. The six, because the hardest part is right, get, getting there, right? Activation. It's not actually, you know, doing the workout. It's actually getting to the workout because we all yeah. have that voice in our head telling us, well, you know, I want to just sleep in for another hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Morning, morning, so much easier. Morning voice. Don't listen to them. I guess not have your best interest. I guess you need to <laughs> have another voice in your head say, telling me, oh, but then Jen is going to be really, really mad at me well, if I yeah. don't show up. I mean, and yeah. And so there's all these little like hooks that you can put in there to help people overcome that, uh-huh. that, that voice. And definitely knowing that you have a group of friends or people that you look forward to hanging out with is helpful. You know, now we text people the night before. We mm-hmm. have our own way of, I think any good trainer has their own ways of communicating with their clients to get in their heads like that's when I know that I've really succeeded in changing a person's life is when my clients tell me like Jen I hear you in my head (laughs) (laughs) because ideally it's like you should go for a run or you're gonna feel better yeah so yeah we're definitely learning about how to retain people and what kind of behaviors need to happen when they're being onboarded like getting them booked for their next class and and communicating with them in a certain way so maybe you guys need to make like a next hire like a behaviorist or a psychologist that's definitely going to be our next hire awesome well i just want to wrap up with a quick fire round so what i'm going to do i'm going to ask you a few questions that i really want you not to think too hard about and just give me a relatively quick answer okay so let's start with an easy one what did you have for breakfast today oh boy I actually had a bagel. You had a bagel? Yeah. Plain? No, I had cream cheese and lox. I don't usually eat salmon or fish, but today that's what I had. Any fitness or health apps or wearables that you're using? No, because ShapeScale hasn't launched. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Speaking of habits, actually, do you have a habit that you have introduced into your own lifestyle that has really made a dramatic difference for the better? Running for a minimum of a half an hour, trail running every day. Every day. When do you do that? Usually in the morning. Wow, that's incredible. Trail running even. Yeah. Like in San Francisco? Yeah, there's tons of trails. Wow. And um, what would you say about diets? Are they useless or all do diet, you follow a certain diet? All diets work in the beginning. <laughs> I see um. where this is going. <laughs> Yeah, no, all diets work in the beginning and then most of them fail after that. I do not have a lot to say about diets because it's a highly controversial subject. So I'm focused on getting some asking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm focused on um, getting people moving. But I think that people should just generally eat what tastes good and feels right. And you know what my diet is? Don't eat crap. I don't eat crap. That's really difficult. No, <laughs> there's but so it's, much good crap. I know, but well, seemingly it, good crap. But it is the best diet because we all know what crap I know. is. We all could hold up. We all know up what a, to do. We yes. Yeah, we don't do it. I mean, we don't need to diet. Like, just hold up that thing that you're about to put in your mouth and ask yourself honestly: Is this crap or is this real food? And if you know if it's crap, and if it's crap, don't eat it. So that's my diet. I try that's not good. to eat crap. I don't always succeed, but it is the simplest diet. I also I don't drink, so eliminating alcohol from my diet is also turned out to be a really great diet. It's it's another diet that's really easy. If you're trying to figure out what should I eat? How do I lose weight? It's stop drinking. It is the only food item that every 100% mm-hmm. more or less of people and experts in the world would say like, yeah, if you eliminated alcohol from your diet, that would be a good thing. 
I mean, most athletes <laughs> don't drink alcohol because it's it is poison, right? I mean, first yeah. of all, it's like pure sugar, and then second, you know, yeah. it's really slowing your metabolism but to. An everybody extent. hates me when I talk about this, so I'm not going to talk about yeah. it. But basically, <laughs> I I mean, that works for me. But basically, people should eat like to try not to eat crap, and then if you are going to eat crap, make sure that you really enjoy it. Like, sit down with that. You know, for me, sometimes I eat chocolate chip cookies. If I eat a chocolate chip cookie, I just make sure that I am sitting there and that I enjoy every bite of it. Enjoy <laughs> that cookie, and then I go and I, I work out and run and just do do my thing but that's that's my eating philosophy don't eat crap if you do enjoy right, it right 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 so as you know our listeners are really into health and fitness yeah do you have a book that you would oh. recommend them to read i mean i really enjoyed like scott urich a mm -hmm. trail runner he had a book that just i can't remember what it's called maybe it's eat to run or run i, I was some running book i wish it, oh, i'm loving yeah. that you're looking at the <laughs> internet right now but yeah. um I, I'm enjoying reading the uh, I enjoyed reading his book to see what his upbringing was because you, you read about these. I'm very interested in trail running and ultra running and uh, you don't always get to know the backstory of these ultra runners. What's the longest ultra run you have done? 100 miles. Wow. Straight running or you were doing some walking as well? <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a segue for most of it. Um, yeah. So <laughs> in 100 mile races, you run. I run the downhills. I jog the flats and then I power hike the uphill. Nice. And where was that? Uh, San Diego. Nice. And final question. What would you say most people get wrong about health or fitness? The thing most people get wrong about fitness is they go out too hard, too fast, too furious, too soon. And then they internalize that they're a failure, you know, because they didn't hit their goal, they didn't achieve their goal. But really, it's that they just went out too too hard, too fast. Maybe they set the bar too high as they well. They set the bar too Or, I mean, for me, setting a bar high is actually really motivating, but it's much more effective if you set the bar low on the daily, right? Yeah. If you're running. Um, I mean, that, that, that's what I see all the time, you know? Like people set themselves like some unrealistic New Year's resolution. Like, I don't know, I want to run 50 miles every week. And, you know, how many miles have I been running last year every week? Zero. Yeah. Well, how am I going to get to 50? Like, it's not going to happen one day. Maybe you're going to do it for the first couple of weeks. But at some point, it's going to be so hard for you because it's never been really part of your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I would take your question and like flip it. I think the best way to set yourself up for success in, in your health and fitness is uh, like the mantra for our last company, my last company that I very much believe as my philosophy is the only workout worth doing is the one that you look forward to. So as you're trying to get healthier and exercise more, be more active, choose things that you really look forward to because the success of the health and fitness is achieved by showing up every day, by doing it every mm -hmm. day. Consistency is key. Um, so pick something that you really enjoy and give yourself fitness credit for doing that. Yeah, like, I guess that's also where public recreation comes in, right? Oh, like, thank you. Do a workout that's fun for you. Yeah. And then it's suddenly no longer a workout. Yeah. And then when you do it, really let that sink in. Like, notice how you feel at the end of that workout. Notice that you feel different than you did at the start because humans are a lot like dogs. Like, we learn by association. So if you just take a minute to check in and notice the good feeling that you feel at the end of your workout, your brain is going to be like, oh, when I did that thing, whether it was running or circuit training or whatever it was, it led to that good feeling. And over time, your body's going to start to crave that good feeling and they're going to, your body's going to associate and your brain's going to associate it with that thing that you did before. So if you go for a run or a hike or whatever, just spend a little like five minutes, one minute at the end of it and just tune into your body and notice how you feel and really feel that good feeling and then associate it with that thing that you did right before. And that really helps you stick to mm. it and look forward to your workout again. I guess it's all about being a little bit more mindful about our actions. Yeah. Right. Um, how do people find more about public recreation if they're in the Bay Area? Yeah. How do they sign up? 
If you are in the Bay Area, you go to publicrecreation.com and you can sign up for a free class. And we would so much love for you to come out and let us know what you think and try us out. Or if you have friends in San Francisco, send them our way. And if you live in a city that you're like, wow, I wish public recreation would come to where I am, please go to our website, fill out our contact, our info form and contact us and say, I live in Detroit or I live in LA. I wish you guys would come here. There's a great space because we're, we're very much interested in, again, giving people what they want and finding out where people who want what we're offering, where where do you live and how can we work together? Awesome. Well, thanks so much for hopping on the show, Jen. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. So much fun. And I would say it's a wrap. As you can tell, Jen is a really colorful character and it's been a blast to have her over here at our studio in San Francisco. I think today's show has been really telling that, you know, fitness innovation doesn't always have to involve new technology per se. Public recreation is really making fitness more accessible by moving your workout literally to your backyard. I'm crossing my fingers, really, that, you know, Jen and her team will be able to scale the business so that really everyone here in the country will get a chance to experience the very novel concept. Public recreation is actually just opening up a new location right across the ferry building in San Francisco in about two weeks on March 19th. Jen's been kind enough to offer up an insider deal to our listeners and you can sign up for three months of unlimited classes for just 90 bucks. Normally would run you at, uh, I think it's $180. And yeah, but they love our producer Lila so much that they're giving us a solid here. So there you go. Just go to publicrecreation.com slash shape to sign up. It's only valid though until next week on expires on March 10th. So better hop right to it. As always, we put everything mentioned on our show on our show notes, which you can find at 20minute.fitness. Also feel free to email us at podcast at 20minute.fitness and let us know your thoughts on the show's content. And also don't hesitate to suggest potential guests that you would really like to see on our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. Doing so really helps other listeners to discover our podcast. Thanks again for listening. And I'm your host, Martin Kessler, and I hope to see you next time. Bye.